Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Seeing some folks jumping on already. Got Facebook, YouTube, Instagram over here, recording for the podcast as well. Uh, I see Miss Maddie McDonald. Good to have you on today. Ms. Shirley Nance, Miss Sarah Shelton. Good to see y'all. My lovely, beautiful wife, Laura. Love you, Laura. Man, I tell you what, I've been spoiled having uh, having Laura help me the past several days. Last week, some, and she helped me yesterday, right now. But I'm running it myself, so you may see. I don't know if it's out of frame or not. It looks like you might see the mouse over here. And I've got the, the remote over here for the, the big screen TV so I can see your comments over here. Hey, let me know. Tell me. Let me know. You still got some snow in your front yard? When I got home yesterday... I was surprised, like, it didn't even look like I, there was snow, that it had snowed. Uh, our whole front yard, I just saw green grass. Do you still have some no snow? Let me know in the comment section. Is there still some snow hanging around at your place? I got over here at the church, of course, where the sun can't, can't get in too, can't get in real good at the front. Um, there, there was still snow on, like, the shrubbery and on the front little sections of grass right near the uh, entrance of the, the main entrance at church where the sun doesn't get, get too much uh, access to just because of the building. So I still saw some snow there. My parents still had some snow. Um, but let me know, you still got snow in your front yard? I had none. None in my front yard, none in my back. Miss Shirley says she still's got, still has some snow. I guess it just depends. Which now at this point, it kind of melted yesterday and then froze back last night. And I think we're going to still have some more, uh, some more cold nights coming. A little. Miss Sarah's got a little. And supposedly, hey, I was looking at the weather. Supposedly there's supposed to be some more snow come this Friday. Oh, wow. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> I enjoy the snow. I enjoy looking at the snow. I like, you know, trudging through it a little bit, playing around with it, throwing a couple snowballs. But I could care less, I could care less uh, for it to uh, shut anything down. I don't want it to mess up roads. I don't want to do anything like that. If it's going to keep me from going places and doing things, I, eh, you can keep it. But it's nice to look at. Laura loves snow. She loves snow. All right. Well, hey, if you haven't shared the broadcast, please do. Go ahead and like and share the broadcast. It makes a huge difference. Uh, the amount of people that we get exposed to and get exposure to. And uh, that's what we want to do. Um, the Lord laid, these, laid this on my heart uh, to teach on prayer uh, two weeks ago. And so I took immediate action on that, got this, these messages ready. And I'm so excited for today's continuation of what we're talking about, 12 action steps in prayer. You know, a lot of people know they should pray. But some people, they, they don't know what they should do in prayer. What does prayer look like? Um, you know, and I want to give you some actual practical examples of what prayer looks like. Uh, what you can do practically in your life, in your prayer life, that's going to make your prayer life effective. You know, it, I'm just not that disciplined. I'm just not, I'm not a kind of person who's going to pray just for the fun of it. I'm not going to pray just, just because, you know, well, it's a religious duty. It is a religious duty. I understand that. It is a discipline, a spiritual discipline. It's something Christians do. But, man, I'm just not going to show up, get up early every morning and go pray just, just for the fun of it. I want to see the prayers I'm praying answered. And I believe that's the same for you as well. That's natural. It's scriptural. We should expect our prayers to be answered. When we follow the guidelines that God has given us concerning prayer, we should have an expectation that the answer is on the way. 
the answer is on the way. And so yesterday we started a series of action steps that you can take in prayer. If you missed it, it's all available on YouTube, on Facebook. It's available on the podcast channel. Uh, you can go access those replays many different ways if you missed it from yesterday. We're going to continue in this list of action steps in prayer that we've been working through the Bible, uh, seeing what the Bible has to say about each one of these action steps. And so let's just go ahead and get right in it today, and let's begin where we've begun every time the past six sessions in today's session number seven, we've got three more this week. Of course, meeting tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday to finish up this teaching on when you pray, a teaching on prayer, understanding the purpose and power of prayer. And of course, every time we've met, we're going to do it today, and we'll do it the next three sessions as well. We're going to read Matthew chapter six, verse five through eight, and Mark eleven twenty-four. Those are two powerful prayer instructions and promises that we need to just have them sealed in our heart, filled up in our spirits. Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, the fakers, the pretenders, the wannabes. For they love to stand, they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, Go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly, publicly. And, you, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In Mark 11, verse 24, you probably have it memorized by this point, and you should. This is an excellent verse to, to rehearse before the Lord. Hey, good to see everyone. Hey, Brother Danny, Miss Barbara, Rick, Miss Shirley, Miss Tamala, good to see all y'all. Glad you're on today. Mark 11, 24. Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. All right, let's get right into the continuation of these 12 action steps in prayer. These 12 action steps in prayer. And of course, you know the routine, you know the drill. I always enjoy this when we're doing a live stream. I love to see you comment in the comment section. For me, it's just a way to help you memorize and commit to memory the things we talked about. When you have to use you, you know, use your thumbs, use your fingers, whatever you need to do, and put it in the comment section, it's going to help you activate more of your mind to remember what we've talked about. So the first thing I want you to see today, of course, yesterday we talked about we need to get silent before the Lord. We need to remove distractions. We need to give adoration and come before the Lord in worship. Make confession to agree with God. We give thanks. We give Him a sacrifice of praise from our lips. And we finished yesterday talking about how we should make supplication. And of course, supplication is the same idea of like a supplement you might take. You know, I'm going to take a vitamin C supplement to boost the level of vitamin C in my body. Or a protein supplement so I can boost the amount of grams of protein I'm getting and giving my body. <clears throat> and every Christian, every Christian is commanded to supplicate or make supplication for the body of Christ, to pray for the church, to pray for their pastor, to pray for the work and the ministry of the gospel, and to stand on the behalf and in the gap for other people and make intercession for the lost. Intercession is for the lost. Supplication is kind of this umbrella term, but mainly supplication in the Bible has to do with praying for the church and the body of Christ. That's where we finished yesterday. And today I want us to pick up on point number six, which is specify requests. I want you to put that in the comments section. Specify requests. And, I, and usually, like I said, I've got my beautiful assistant helping me, but I'm going to type it in the comment section for you as well. Specify requests. Put that in the comment section. Specify requests. 
Make your petitions known to God and do it specifically. Specify. When you go before God in prayer, an action step in prayer is to go before God knowing what you desire of Him and say it point blank. Father, I'm believing for thus and so to be done. Um, you know, you, you, you can pray many different things. Um, let's say you're praying for a relative who is unsaved. Let's say you're praying for a family member who is unsaved and, and they're a sinner. And of course, unless they're saved and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, their eternal fate will be hell. Which hell wasn't made for man, but because man followed rebellion after Satan's own kind, he now will inherit the same thing Satan will inherit, which is hell. Unless they're saved. So we want our family to be saved. We want all people to be saved, right? So let's go before the Lord praying for that relative. What we're going to do? Well, one, we're going to make that known. We're going to make that desire of our heart known before God. And we're going to specify the request. Father God, I'm praying for, we'll say Bill. Lord, I'm praying for my cousin Bill, Lord. I'm praying that you, Father God, will send forth laborers along his path who will sow seeds of the word of God that will cause him to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. I'm praying, Father God, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit on the earth is working in Bill's heart and convicting him right now, Lord, that he is so unsettled in his sin, he has to make things right. And I'm praying, Father God, when I'm around Bill, when every opportunity I have, I get to speak the right word at the right time to tell him about your goodness. Because truly, Lord, it is your goodness that brings men to repentance, Lord. Let his eyes be open, Lord. This God of this world, Satan, has blinded his eyes because he doesn't want Bill to see your glorious light. But I'm praying those blinders be pulled off for a season that he might see the truth and be saved. You specify. Now, what did I do in specifying those and making those petitions? You come before the Lord and you tell God what you want, what you desire. Now, notice this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. We've referenced this powerful, powerful prayer promise several times. But 1 John 5, 14 says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. I've come before the Lord with a petition. I'm asking God and petitioning God to do something in this, in this step of prayer. I'm specifying my request. I'm giving a, I'm giving a target point. I'm giving a target point for the arrow to hit. I'm giving a target point for my prayer arrow to land on. I'm not just coming before the Lord. Well, you know, bless God, the Lord knows my thoughts. He knows the thoughts of all. But God doesn't answer your thoughts. He answers your petitions. He answers your prayers. Think about this. For you to specifically ask God to do something means that you actually believe He will. Some people want to make light of, well, you know, bless God, some people just come before the Lord and just recite a laundry list to them and, and all they do is ask, 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 ask. There is an appropriate part of prayer that involves asking God to do things in your life, to fulfill His Word in your life. And God expects you to. God expects you to ask Him to fulfill His Word in your life. Because when you ask God to fulfill His Word in your life, whatever area we might be praying for, and this way I'm talking about praying for someone to be saved, intercession, but whatever we're praying for, God expects you to ask Him. God expects you to stand on His Word and believe and receive from Him by faith. That is an expectation that God wants you to have because that expectation reveals you have faith in Him. Because if I didn't believe God wouldn't do it, I wouldn't ask Him. 
I'm not going to ask them. Uh, it's not true faith. I, I, I don't go before God thinking, well, you know, I'm going to roll the dice or spin the roulette wheel or maybe he will, maybe he won't. No, if I go before the Lord, I have this confidence that if I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if he hears me, the, the prayer is as good as answered. If he hears me, the prayer is as good as answered. If he hears me, the prayer is as good as answered. Amen. That's how you have to see prayer. Now, think about this. This is the next point I want you to see. Type this in the comment section. Secure the promise. Secure the promise. Secure the promise. Let's see if I can... Yeah. So I have these hotkeys on here that do certain things. Now, I was afraid that if I pushed a button, it might make something go one way or the other that I didn't want to happen. If you're watching, if you're listening to the podcast, none of this makes sense to you right now. But this has to do with something on the live stream. <laughs> Secure the promise. Secure the promise is the next point. I see you put it in the comment sections right now. If you're listening on the podcast channel, just say that out loud wherever you're listening. Secure the promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Secure the promise. Many of you know this. Many of you know this prayer promise. Many of you know this faith statement. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. To the glory of God through us. Man, it's short. That's a powerful prayer promise. Notice that again. For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. To the glory of God through us. Through us. The glory of God through us. You secure the promise. Notice this. Every promise. I want you to put that in the comment section. Type every promise in the comment section. Every promise. Not some promises. Not most promises. Not every promise every other person asked for, but the ones I asked for, maybe not, maybe so. Who knows? Who can tell? No, every promise for all the promises. Every promise. Put that in the comment section. Every promise. Every promise of God is yes and amen. What does amen mean? Amen means so be it. I agree. Lord, I'm praying this. I'm praying your will. And in Jesus' name, so be it. In Jesus' name, so be it. Every promise, every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Yes and amen in God. And what does that do? Think about this. This is just a side note, but think about answered prayer. What does answered prayer do? Answered prayer brings glory to God. Don't ever let someone think, make you think asking God and petitioning God on the basis of his word is a selfish thing. Well, bless God, I just, I just like to, you know, I don't go before God for anything. I just like to stand in his presence and worship. Man, you can't find someone who enjoys and understands the power of worship more than me right here. I tell you, I love, I am a worshiper. You know, I lead, I, you know, we got a lot of different people watching. But at, at the church I'm here, Gospel Tabernacle Church that I serve and pastor at, I'm also the work. I'm the worship pastor. Man, I love, love, love engaging the Lord in worship and leading the people of God in worship. I was just looking, counting it up the other day, and I've led about 700 worship services here in different places. I've led worship on the back of tractor trailers. I've led worship at barbecue events. I've led worship at youth camps, children's camps. I've led worship uh, around uh, campfires. I mean, I've led worship. 700 plus worship services for all different kinds of denominations, different types of people. I love to worship. I understand the power of worship. But, I, but when you go before the Lord in prayer, it's right to ask God, Lord, this is your promise and you said it's mine and I believe I receive it now in my life in Jesus' name. That's just. That is righteous. That's a holy thing. To plead with God and do business with God concerning His Word. That's a righteous thing. 
think about the power that a, a Christian, a believer has to, to pray the will of God to pass in the earth. For us not to do it. For us to not do. For us to not pray knowing the power that God has given to us is a sin to not pray. It would be a sin not to pray. It is a sin. Prayerlessness is a sin. To know that we can not only just commune and worship and enjoy the presence of God, but that we can petition God and see His Word and every promise come to pass in our lives, in our families, in our churches, in our city, in our nation, in the earth, so that we can bring God glory. You can bring God glory through praise and worship. But you also bring God glory when you pray and ask Him for big, giant, bold petitions. Lord, do this. Only you can do it, Lord. Only you can rectify this situation. Only you could bring this answer that I'm asking, Lord. Only you could do what I'm asking you to do, Father. Do it through me that you might receive the glory and I get what I have need of in Jesus' name. That's right. That's holy. That is a beautiful, faithful, powerful work of God. So you specify the request and you secure the promise because every promise is yes and amen in Christ. Now notice this. Plead, this is the next step I want you to see. Type in the comment section, plead the case. Plead the case. Plead the case. Luke chapter 18, Jesus is teaching on prayer. It's so powerful when you understand that so many of the things that Jesus, you know, did, the disciples never asked him how to teach. We, I mentioned that several times, you know. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to multiply food. Teach us how to heal the sick. Rather, the disciples, Jesus laid hands on them, and he, they went in the power and the anointing, which now every Christian has access to that power to do the works of Christ. John 14 tells us that. Do the works of Christ. He tells us that we will do the works of Jesus and greater. So we flow in that same power, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And we receive it through prayer. We receive power from God through prayer, through holy living, through filling our minds and our hearts, renewing our mind with the Word of God. That puts us in a place to be a conduit for the power of God. But what Jesus so consistently taught the disciples was how to pray. Understand this, prayer is not something that when you get born again, you just know how to pray. You've got to learn how to pray. Prayer is a discipline. Prayer is something that you learn. And just like a child, I'm going through this right now with my daughter Naomi. She's learning words. She, knows, she, can, she says, I don't know, Laura probably can help me out in the comment section. I'm going to say she probably says six to ten words that we know what she's talking about. You know, dada, my favorite one that she says is dada. Dog, bear, bottle, baby. B's and D's are really easy, but obviously dada, she says it just because she loves me. Not that it's an easy word. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> but she, she's learning this language. She's learning the English language. And she knows what words mean more than Lars saying 20. She's advanced, y'all. I mean, obviously. She knows what more words mean than what she can say at the moment because I, I can point at something or I can say a word and, hey, you ready to eat? And she'll go to her high chair. She knows what that word eat means. But what's happened? She, has, she is learning a language. Prayer is the same way. You learn, a, you learn to pray. That's why Jesus had to teach us to pray. That's why we're studying so that we can become better prayers. Because when I get a stronger prayer life, everything else in my life gets stronger. Everything else in my life gets stronger. She knows more. When she wants more food, more. Lars teaching these baby sign language. Pretty cool. Plead the case. You've already written it in the comment section. You've already said it out loud on podcasts. Plead the case. Luke 18, 1 through 8. It's going to take a few minutes to get through this, but I want us to get through this. Some, this has been a, oftentimes misconstrued and taken out of context, and just inappropriately th inappropriate things have been said about our Heavenly Father. 
from this passage of Scripture because people didn't just plainly read the Word. My goodness, look, read the Bible and understand what it says. Don't add your own interpretation to it. Amen? When you read the Word, just see what it says. Let the Word tell you by the power of the Holy Spirit what it means. You'll see what I, you'll see what I mean here in just a moment. Luke 18, 1. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. You should always pray and not lose heart. Verse 2, saying, Jesus speaking here, giving this parable, there was a certain city, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard or respect man, an evil judge. Verse 3, now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, this evil judge, saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Vindicate me, avenge me on this issue. Verse 4, and he, the unjust judge, the wicked judge, would not for a while For a time, he ignored her. But afterwards, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. I will vindicate her. I will do justice for her. Lest by her continual coming, she wearies me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Verse 8, I tell you that he, our Father God, will avenge them, his children, speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith? On the earth. There's several things going on here, but this main point I want you to see is this. You plead the case. You bring the promises of God before the Lord. This is scriptural process in prayer. You bring his word to him. Just like this widow came before the judge and said, Judge, vindicate me. Give me justice because I have been wronged. This is how I was wronged. This is the evidence. Now give me justice. Avenge me. Make this issue, this situation in my life, make it right. Now, the unjust judge didn't care because he's unjust. He's wicked. Notice, he didn't fear God and he didn't give a rip about man. He was mean. He was evil. (laughs) May you never stand before an unjust judge in Jesus' name. And if you do, may the Lord quickly remove the unjust judge out of the way so that justice might come on your behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. But this unjust judge didn't care about the widow. Think about it. An evil judge and a widow. In this day and age, this widow, according to Hebrew law that God had given them, she was required to be married by the next in line of her dead husband so that the name of her husband would not go without children so that she wouldn't be begging and bring dignity and lose her dignity so that she could be cared for and taken care of. She was to marry basically her brother-in-law and so on and so forth. There's a, there's a time where Jesus teaches on that when the Pharisees and Sadducees tried to make Jesus stumble. Of course, they couldn't do that. Uh, but that was the Hebrew law. So this means this widow was a widow indeed, as the Bible calls it. She had no one. She was the lowest of low. She had no way to do anything, no way to own land, no way to generate income. She was left to herself. And because of her persistence, because of her perseverance, she got justice, even though the judge was evil. I want you to put in the comment section, type out perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance persistence, some grit, some stick to You know what faith looks like? Faith looks like perseverance. 
What does faith look like? Faith looks like perseverance, persistence. Faith has grit. What's grit? I love that word grit. One reason I love it is because it's in the name of one of my favorite John Wayne movies, True Grit. And it's this awesome cowboy story, which you've probably seen it. If you haven't, that's homework. Go watch True Grit with John Wayne in it. <laughs> and there's this there this idea of this man, this, this marshal. He had something in him. He had some guts and some grit. And this young lady who needed justice on behalf of her father, she goes and finds this marshal, even though he's rough around the edges and no one cares for him and he's kind of a vagabond just here and there. She knew if she could get a hold of him, he could get the job done. Grit means you'll get the job done. Perseverance and persistence means you're willing to stick to it till you see it come to pass. Now, now, this is where some people get an error. They assume that God is the unjust judge. How many knows? Put an emoji hand in the comment section if you know your Father God is not an unjust judge. If you know your Heavenly Father is not an evil judge, put in the comment section an emoji hand. Let me know that you agree with that because that's the Bible. In fact, the Bible tells us, James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, every good and perfect thing, we receive it from our Father, and He doesn't change. And He won't change just because you've petitioned Him. God hasn't been answering prayers for all of humanity. And now when you decide to ask him for something on the basis of his word, he said, well, you know what? Um, I, I don't do that anymore. Sorry. No, God's unchanging. Jesus is making a, an example. Jesus is making an analogy here, really an inverse analogy, an opposites analogy. Jesus is saying, because of this widow woman's persistence, because of her perseverance, because she refused to quit, this little woman got what she asked for even though the judge was evil and wicked. And the key word here is verse 8, I tell you that your father, he will avenge them speedily. The unjust, wicked judge, he took his time. He was dragging his feet because he didn't fear God. And he didn't care about man. He didn't care about this widow. But because she was persistent, because she persevered, because she has some grit, because she stuck with it, he said, I'm tired of her keep coming in my presence. I will do what she's asked me to do. And Jesus is saying, Will God not do much, much more than this unjust judge? Because it's not. God is not an unjust judge. God is a righteous judge. Our Heavenly Father is a righteous judge. He is a holy judge. He is a loving and kind Father. And it says that He hears us day and night, His children who cry out to Him. And He, he bears with us. You know, there's some things that you pray and you're praying them, and you're asking God to do something in your life on the basis of His Word, and the whole reason you're praying those prayers is because God put those in you. God will put, you know, if you feel a need to pray for people, pray for a certain person, pray for your church, you should all do those things voluntarily. But there may be times where you feel like, my goodness, you know what, I just keep thinking about my pastor, I just... You know, I need, to, I, need to, I need to pray for him. I just feel like I need to pray for him. Keep him in prayer. The Holy Spirit put that in your spirit. And he wants you to come before the righteous judge, the Father, so that he can avenge you speedily, so that he can answer you speedily. And notice this. Jesus ends this teaching of this parable saying, when the Son of Man comes to the earth, will he really find faith? Meaning that you coming before the Lord to plead your case, knowing he'll answer your prayer, that's what faith looks like. That's what faith looks like. Just so we get this point, I want you to really see this. 
I want you to see this point. In Isaiah 43, 26, Isaiah 43, 26, I want us to really get this honed in in our spirits. Plead the case. Isaiah 43, 26, the Lord says this, Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted, that you may be justified. The Lord here is talking to Israel, and he's telling them, hey, come to me. Come, because Israel's unfaithful. They've sinned. But there's a spiritual principle that we see here. Right here, the Father, our Father is saying to Israel, put me in remembrance of the covenant that I've made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Praise God. He's telling them, put me in remembrance. What is the, another covenant that uh, God made with Israel? Well, he made it in the days of Solomon. And you probably know this as well. And this is a powerful, powerful promise of God that I believe can apply to our nation. And I pray it over our nation. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7, 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. God is saying, put me in remembrance of what I've said, Israel. Because God made a covenant in that, that specific one Solomon goes before God and says, Lord, we've built you this temple. We understand you're, you're so much bigger than this building. We don't expect you to live in this building like an idol or some small little created thing. But we understand we want to be able to call on your name at the temple, Lord. And if we depart in sin, I want to be able to call on your name and, you, and we repent and you forgive us. And God said to Solomon, I'll do it. And in fact, in that day, if you depart into sin and idolatry and do what I told you not to do, in that day, if you'll humble yourself, referring to fasting, and if you'll pray, pray and fasting, which is a true sign of repentance, you just stop everything, Lord. I'd rather have forgiveness than food. I mean, that's what he's saying. If you just will humble yourself and come to a place of repentance and begin to pray and call out and turn, repent, turn from your wicked ways, then I'll hear you. Then I'll heal your land. Then I'll restore the relationship I have with you. Then I'll do it. And God's saying here in Isaiah many years later, many kings later, many sins and departures from the, the law later, he's reminding them, put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be justified, that you may be acquitted. This is the spiritual principle of pleading your case before the Lord. It is a holy thing and expected by God that you come to before Him and state your case. Lord, and you can do this. Do this. You, you know, in healing. Lord, your word says that by the stripes of Christ Jesus, I was healed at Calvary. Healing was paid for. My healing was paid for and the atonement of Christ. When Christ took stripes on his back at the whipping post, when he made a pit stop for my healing before he paid for my salvation, you said at that point, healing has been made alive and available to me. Now, Father, I receive it by faith because your word says by his stripes I was healed. Therefore, I agree and confess your word. I am the healed of the Lord. In Jesus' name, plead your case. Bring the word before him. Put him in remembrance. Now think about this. In this idea of the court setting, you have come before the Lord. Think about this. This is powerful. You've come before the Lord, your father who's the righteous judge. And who is your witness? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's there at the left, to your left, where the witnesses stand. And he's saying to the Father, this person believes in me. This person believes in me. They're a child because they believed on what I've done. And then to your right is the counsel, your advocate, the Holy Spirit, who helps you to pray by giving you word, the word, and reminding you of the word, but also putting in your spirit so you can pray in the spirit, groanings unutterable, which is the perfect will of God. So here you are. How can you lose the case? Your father is the righteous judge who loves you, 
The witness is Christ Jesus who bears witness that you believe in him and your advocate, your counselor is the Holy Spirit contending and bringing forth perfect legal advice. And so you stand before the Lord and you say, Lord, this is the case. I plead it. This is what your word says. I believe it. You know, there's a good example of this. In Mark chapter 10, I don't have time to read it. I want to get finished, get through these rest of these points. I'll give you a brief overview. Blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is walking from town to town, and he encounters this blind, blind man named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus hears the hustle and bustle, and they, you know, he must have heard because he's blind. He didn't see. He must have heard them say, this is Jesus coming, Jesus of Nazareth. Here comes Jesus. Well, he had heard what people talked about Jesus, and he chose to act, act out on faith, and he said to Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus wasn't just spouting off at the mouth. He was making a confession of faith. Son of David, have mercy on me. He was connecting. Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth is coming this way. Oh, Jesus, the Jesus that works miracles, the Jesus that raised the dead, the Jesus that heals the sick, the Jesus that casts out devils. He must be the one the prophets talked about who would be one born of David to rule and reign on the throne of David forever. That must be him because Isaiah 35, 5 says, there will be one that comes who will open the eyes of the blind. Blind Bartimaeus was pleading his case when he said, son of David, son of David, have mercy on me. <clears throat> and then Jesus said, what do you want? Notice that. Jesus saw that blind Bartimaeus was blind. He had a cloak on that stated he was blind and a beggar. He could see when he started running toward him that he was a blind man. He didn't have to watch him stumble in his blindness to know he was blind. Yet Jesus said, what do you want? He pled the case, Lord, I want to see. And he stated that he had faith in God because he called him by a prophetic name, Son of David. Bartimaeus would have only called Jesus Son of David if he truly believed in his heart of hearts this is the one that the prophet Isaiah prophesied so many hundreds of years ago that would come to open the blind eyes. And today, my blind eyes will see. And he did, praise God. He did. This is how the process of prayer works. This is the process of faith and prayer. Now, he had to believe it. This is the next step, the next action step in prayer. I want you to type this in the comment section. I want you to type, believe believe. The next step you have to take in prayer is to believe. And it's one of our theme scriptures that we've been using every day and will continue to use throughout the rest of this series. Mark 11 verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When do you receive what you ask out of? When you pray, you ask. And when you ask, you believe that it's yours. And at the point that you believe it's yours, you've received it. Well, but I don't see it in the, I don't see it with my eyes. I'll believe it when I see it. That's not how faith works. That's not how reality works. What do you mean that's not how reality works? Reality is what I can see with my eyes. No, that's sense knowledge. We're going to talk about that in the next day to come in hurdles to answered prayer. That's sense knowledge. I'm not operating on what I see, hear, smell, taste, touch, feel, think. I operate and base my life on the Word of God. And you have to come to a place where I believe whether I see it or not. In fact, it's something the Lord gave me many years ago in, in prayer. I, I rehearse this to myself all the time. Eyes, you are going to see what my heart believes. My eyes will see what my heart believes. It's not the opposite. It's not my heart believes what my eyes see. No, my eyes will see what my heart believes. And you have to believe. If you're going to do all this prayer work and not believe, you've wasted your time. You must believe. 
you must believe. You must believe because it's at the point of belief you receive it. Now let's talk about that. Well, how come I don't see it naturally in my eyes? Understand this. Some things, not everything, but there are some times where there is a time process for something to come to pass. It may take a little bit of time. Think about Daniel, the prophet Daniel, the man of God Daniel, who was, all he did was ever work naturally in, in government affairs. My goodness, we, we should pray and ask God for Daniels in our city, in our state, in our nation. I'm talking about the Old Testament Daniel, who was a government, he was a government official for three different kings in two different kingdoms, but a man full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and he knew how to pray. In Daniel chapter 10, he's praying, and he set himself to fast. He didn't know how long he was going to fast. That's why maybe if he ate anything, it was just probably like vegetable type stuff. But he, 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 it wasn't like, I'm going to fast for two days and then go back to, to normal life. Daniel said, I've seen the word. In the book of Jeremiah, it says that 70 years Israel would be judged. And the 70 years has come to pass. Why are we still here? Daniel sets his face to pray to God about that issue. And he doesn't know how long it will take. But he says, I'm not going to go back to normal life until I get this answer. He begins to pray. And what we see happen after 21 days, the angel of God, the messenger of Israel, comes to him and tells him, Daniel, from the first day that you prayed, your prayer was heard and answered. The very first day, the very first, the moment you prayed the prayer, the moment you petitioned God, the moment you pled your case based on the words of Jeremiah, the moment you came to God and prayed, your prayer, the answer to your prayer was on the way. And he said, but in the process of that answer coming, I got held up by the demonic principalities over Persia, the prince of Persia. The demonic principality that has rule and reign, because the God of this earth is Satan, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, for a time, not forever, he has stolen authority through sin, but you and I, believers, he has no authority nor lot in our life, praise God. That's why Daniel, a man of God, persistent and persevering in prayer, received the answer. Not because God was saying, well, you know, just I'll wait till day 20, uh, hour 23, minute 59, and then I'll think about answering Daniel's prayer. No. The prayer was sent forth, but there was a spiritual warfare that took place, a demonic principality that was engaging this messenger of Israel. But here's the thing. Even Daniel, in the Old Covenant, a mighty man of God, could not... Think about it. This is before the blood of Jesus is shed. I believe the Spirit of God was on him. But the Holy Spirit's made available to all believers. Now think about this. In the Old Covenant, we have a better covenant, the book of Hebrews tells us. In an Old Covenant, Satan could not withstand the prayers of a righteous person. It took 21 days, but what's 21 days? What is, what is 21 days in the course of your life? What little cost to hear from God? Daniel refused to quit praying and believing. Daniel believed God heard his prayers. That's how he got the answer. How do we know he believed? Because he got the answer. How do I know I believe? Because I've got the answer. Amen. And Daniel was in that place. That even in the old covenant, Satan doesn't have enough power to stop the answer to prayer. Even in the old covenant, Satan didn't have enough power to stop an answer to prayer. How much little, how much more is, or less, how much less is his power effectual against you and I who have the blood of Jesus and the Holy Ghost and the Word? That means we just need to put this into practice, y'all. Just We just need to continually, in all things, pray. Everything by prayer and see the will of God come to pass. Next step, I want you to write this in the comment section. I see we're coming up close on the 1 o'clock hour. We're going to pray again as we have every other session. Type in the comment section, give thanks. Next action step, give thanks. Give thanks. We already talked about giving thanks earlier and the Bible shows us that we're to bring the sacrifice of our praises, the sacrifice of our lips, 
before God. The sacrifice of our praises, which is like a wonderful, pleasant sacrifice in His presence. We're to give thanks. Giving thanks in this area, we talked about it earlier in this list, but after we pray and believe that we receive what we've asked of God, we go ahead and thank God for the answer. And this is the highest form of prayer. This is the highest form of prayer in this praying and petitioning God. Is Lord, Lord, I believe. I thank you, God, you've answered my prayer. I thank you, Lord, the answer's on the way. I thank you, Father, for hearing my prayers and answering them speedily. Luke 18, 8. Father, let there be faith found in me because I believe you're a prayer answering God and you've heard my prayers and you answer them in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it. You give thanks. You give thanks. You, it, you give thanks as if it's already done in the natural. Even though your eyes may not see it at the moment. It's like Elijah. His servant goes out and he says, Elijah's praying for rain. Okay, he's praying for rain. Again, based on the word, Elijah said there would be no rain. He spoke by the power of the prophet and said there would be no rain. But he wasn't just spouting off at the mouth. God made a covenant said, if you depart into idolatry, I'll withhold the rain. So Elijah was saying, there will be no rain. He was confessing God's word over a nation and there was no rain for three and a half years. But at that time, 1 Kings 17, 18, he has that big showdown, calls down fire from heaven. God shows that he's the true God on the sacrifice that was soaking wet. All the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth get killed. At that point, the nation's heart turns back to God. Okay, so Elijah uses the word. If you'll turn back to me, I'll heal your land. What's one way to heal the land? Rainfall. So Elijah petitions God based on the word. Lord, we've turned back to you. Now we need rain. Bring rain. Well, the servant goes and he says, six times there's nothing. Each time Elijah says, keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. He was persistent. And then when the, his Gehazi saw, his servant saw it, he said, there's a cloud over the sea about the size of a man's hand. Elijah said, Go tell the king to go ahead and hurry up, finish eating, get in his chariot, and get back to the palace because rain's coming. The size of a man's hand in the sky ain't very big. But Elijah gave thanks, and he acted on it as if it were done. The next point I want you to see is this. Live in expectation. Live in expectation. Live in expectation. Put that in the comment section. Live in expectation. Live expecting. Live in such a way that your life is an example to God. Lord, I'm expecting this answer to come to pass in my life. Live in expectation. This is where a lot of people lose it in prayer. They may get up to a certain point, but then if it just don't happen in that moment of a second, they give up their faith because of what their eyes see, their ears hear, their heart, their, or their mind thinks, or their emotions feel. Don't give up your answer in prayer. Live in expectation of the answer coming. Live in expectation that the answer is on the way, that the answer is yours, that by faith you have the title deed to that answer. If you've got the title deed to a house, you own the house. I'm not in my house right now. I'm at the church. But I have the title deed. My name's on the title deed, which means even if I'm not in the house, it's mine. Even though it's four miles down the road, it's still mine. By faith, you have the title deed of the promises of God. So live in expectation of the answer in Jesus' name. Acts 12, verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison by constant effectual prayer was offered to God for him by the church. The brother of John, James the Apostle, has just been killed, martyred by Herod. Herod is stirring up violence against the church. He hates the church. And he takes out James, the brother of John, by the sword. Now they've captured Peter, and Peter is locked up. Let me tell you something. Any hand of authority in government or, or municipalities that touches the church will be cut off 
by the power of God. In Jesus' name. Herod locks up Peter, and the church goes to praying. Now look at this. This is, this is funny. You can read it, Acts 12, 5 through 19 is the whole passage here. But for time's sake, the church is praying for Peter. And God sends an angel to break Peter out of jail. God breaks Peter out of jail with angelic assistance. This angel opens up. The, he has to wake Peter up because Peter's not fearful. He's not shaking in his boots. He's snoring in between guards. This angel strikes him. Hey, boy, get on up. It's not your time. We're getting out of here. Gets him out of the chains, passes through two different guard posts, and at that point, Peter said, wow, man, this, this really is a, a work of God because I've, I've, and ha I was in the jail, now I'm not. This ain't no dream. This is for real. And when he realizes that, he says, you know what? I need to go to John's house, Mark's house where Mary and John Mark are there and other people are praying. Now notice this. Verse 13, Acts 12, Peter knocked on the door of the gate and a girl named Rhoda came to answer. Verse 14, when Rhoda recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she didn't even open the gate. She ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Now, all these Holy Ghost-filled, praying people, what is their reaction to Rhoda? Verse 15, but they said to her, you're beside yourself. You keep, you, yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, nah, it's his angel. Think about this. Holy Ghost filled, praying people. It's at night. So, I mean, they're not sleeping. They're praying. God, let Peter out of jail. Lord, break Peter out of jail. Father, don't let Peter fall by the sword like James did. Lord, defend Peter. Lord, make a way for Peter. Here comes Rhoda. Hey, y'all, Peter's outside. No, he ain't. Y'all crazy. You are crazy, Rhoda. You are crazy. You've been drinking too much communion juice. Uh-oh. Rhoda, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, it must be his angel. It's an apparition. Nah. Lord, release Peter. Release Peter. He ain't outside. Release Peter, God. Can you see what's happening? They weren't living in expectation. Don't pray prayers that you don't expect God to answer. Live in such a way so that when the prayer, the answer to the prayer knocks on the door, you don't say, nah, I'm just going to keep praying. There's a time to pray and there's a time to receive. When the answer's at the door knocking, don't keep praying. Open the door. Open the door. Live in expectation. Live in expectation. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns to earth, will I find faith? on the earth. Let, you, let yourself be found faithful. Last one, put it in the comments section, 1259. I'm running over just a few minutes. Practice active belief. Practice active belief. Practice active belief. James chapter 2, verse 17. James 2 and verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. I will show you my faith by my works. Practice active belief. Let the life outside of your prayer closet be consistent with your prayer life. Let the outside life be consistent with your prayer life. That's practicing active belief. That, that when I was rehearsing that, you know, talking about interceding for a lost person. What was I doing? Lord, send forth laborers to the Lord of the harvest. That's praying Matthew 9. 37 and 38. Lord, convict him by the Holy Spirit. That's John 16, 8 through 11. Lord, bind the, mind, the, the God of this world, Satan, that's blinding his mind. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 4. I'm pleading the case. I'm bringing the word before him. But think about this. What if I'm believing to see a family member saved? How could I practice active belief? Invite them to church. 
How could I practice active belief? Send them a passage in the Bible. You know what? I was reading this day and I thought about you. This, this really blessed me. I think it'll bless you. Well, they ain't saved. Sow the word. Practice active belief. Hey, go buy a Bible and get their name stamped on the front. What does a sinner have use for a Bible? Nothing. But I'm not believing that person's going to stay a sinner. I'm believing they're going to be saved. And I'm going to have a, I already have a Bible with their name on it. And when they get saved, I'm going to give it to them. I, Lord, look at this, Lord. I so believe that this person's going to get saved. This is their Bible. Pray over it. And when you're praying for that person, yeah, with their name on it. See, I put their name on it. It's theirs. They're going to need it when they get saved. Practice active belief. You believe God's going to provide for your needs? Lord, I believe you provide. You need a job? Lord, I need a job. I believe you provide for my needs. What's active belief? Applications. Go fill out 100 applications. Go find a dozen different jobs you want at the money you want to make and fill out the applications. Set up meetings. That's practicing active belief. Jesus taught it this way. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be open unto you. All three of those things are verbs. Ask, seek, and knock. You got to do something. Faith without works is dead. And dead faith does not produce fruit. Dead faith does not produce fruit in the kingdom of God. Well, hey... We're, we're a few minutes over, but I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray here in just a minute. Of course, great, great turnout today. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got three more sessions of this. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 12 p.m. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> and for the rest of this week, as we finish up this series, When You Pray, Understanding the Purpose and Power of Prayer. But before you go, I want you to pray with me. Uh, we've been praying prayers for the church. For our church, Gospel Tabernacle, many of you that are here are Gospel Tabernacle folk. I realize many of you that are watching, are you're part of other churches. Lord, bless your church. Pray these prayers with us in faith for your church. And let's pray for the body of Christ. I want to pray today from 1 Thessalonians 3, chapter 10. Paul said this, Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face, notice this, and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Verse 12 and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he, God, may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Let's pray this. Let's pray to God our Father that he'll increase us, the body of Christ, and establish us in holiness. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you, God. You are a prayer-answering God. You are a powerful, mighty God. We thank you, Lord, the earth and the heavens, they are yours. And we thank you, Lord God, that as we live according to your word, you fill us with your power. By the power and work of the Holy Spirit, we're on the earth to bring you glory, Lord. Let our lives bring you glory, Father God. That's our desire. And Father, we come before you praying for the church, praying for the body of Christ in Lawrence City, in South Carolina, in the nation of America, and the nations of the earth, Lord. We pray for our church, Father God. In Jesus' name, Lord, perfect anything lacking in our faith. Bring our faith to a place of maturity and completion, Lord God. In Jesus' name, Lord, by your power, by your spirit, cause us to increase and abound in your love, a love that is selfless, a love that puts others first, cause us to increase and abound in the agape kind of love, the God kind of love that loves people without ulterior motives, that loves people without uh, deceptions in the heart, but truly cares for people. Let us increase in your love for one another. In Jesus' name, Lord, establish our hearts in the faith. Establish our hearts that we will be blameless, clean, pure, holy, Lord, even as you are holy. We thank you, Lord, that you establish us blameless in holiness so that at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not be put to shame. But when we see Jesus come to get his, rapture his church, Lord God, or if we go by way of the grave, Lord God, that when we see Jesus, we will stand before him in the holiness that you have clothed, clothed us with. In Jesus' mighty name, we receive it. If you receive it, you believe it, 
type in the comment section, amen. Let me know that you agree with me. More importantly, that you agree with the Word of God, which is the will of God. I went over a few minutes today, but I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank, thankful for you. I'm glad you're listening, glad you're watching, glad you're studying with me. Again, we're going to continue this uh, subject when you pray tomorrow, same time, 12 p.m., Facebook, YouTube. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about hindrances to prayer. Hindrances to prayer. And it's good. Man, it's good. Maybe a two-parter as well. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But we're going to talk about hindrances to prayer. So the Bible tells us to move out all hindrances. And that's what we're going to learn how to do. Uh, identify those things that might hinder us to answer prayer and get them out of the way. But I can't start teaching on something else. I'll get excited and start going in on that. So I'm just going to have to finish it there, right here at this point. <laughs> Amen. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, blessed day. And I'll see you tomorrow at 12 p.m. All right. God bless you. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.